A boy, his mother, and atheist father were at home when the mother asked, What did you learn in catechism class today? The boy responded, Well, we learned about God. There are actually three persons in God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each of them is God, but there's only one God, not three gods. Also, that God always existed. There was never a time in which God didn't exist. So the Father always existed, the Son always existed, and likewise, the Holy Spirit always existed. At this, the atheist father interjected, that's nonsense. Don't be ridiculous. I am your father, and I existed long before you did. And the boy calmly replied, Oh, no, you didn't. You only became my father when I became your son. Thus, God the Father does not predate God the Son or the Holy Spirit. They exist from all eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are existence itself and give existence to everything that does exist. St. Augustine, the brilliant philosopher and theologian, remarks, that when he meets God, he'll ask only two questions. Not 75 questions, just two questions. What are those questions? God, who are you? And God, who am I? Just brilliant. God is not some big loner. He's not alone. God is community, a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the most important truth in the universe, that God is communion. He is community. He's not alone. He's an all-powerful community of persons who love dynamically. Now, if this, and it is, if this is the most important truth in the universe, perhaps we can take a moment to examine our conscience. Does this ring true? This most important truth that God is communion, is it the overriding bedrock truth that encompasses and occupies my mind on a daily basis? Does it permeate my existence of who I am? Because it should. Or, if we're honest, are other truths like my calendar, my finances, my social engagements, or what about more vacuous content, social media, commentary? What occupies my mind? What are the truths that truly occupy my mind? Because at the end of our life, we will have only one regret, and then that will be of not gotten getting to know Almighty God and who He is, and not having given myself wholeheartedly to Him. This is the truth that ought to pervade my very being, my very essence. Because if God is a trinity of persons, and we are made in His image, and for those of us who are baptized, also in His likeness, refashioned in His likeness, then what does that say about who we are supposed to be? Who we are created to be? And our purpose? It means that we're never supposed to be alone or isolated. Like, it ought to invade every fiber of my being of communion, because God, who is love, he doesn't just love us, he is love because he is community, well, love can only occur 
not in isolation. It occurs in community. Did you know that at baptism, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit enter into our soul, infuse, pour themselves into us, and they give us their own life. We really believe this. This is what we mean by sanctifying grace. When St. Peter says that we become partakers of the divine nature, this is remarkable. How often do you and I reflect on this or aware of this? It's sad if we don't, and yet this is the most important thing. And at the moment of our death, the admission ticket into heaven will be the presence of sanctifying grace in my soul or not. And this is why there's nothing more important than to always remain in the state of grace. Now, the martyrs courageously witnessed to this truth that the life of God within our soul of sanctifying grace is so important that they witness to the fact that we should be willing to die, to give up our life rather than to sin and to kill the life of God within us. Isn't that kind of oddly remarkable that we could actually kill the life of God within our soul? God forbid that would happen. But if it does happen, run to the sacrament of reconciliation. We have such a gracious God who wants to restore that sanctifying life within our soul. Brothers and sisters, always, always, always stay in the state of grace, no matter what. Be willing to die rather than to kill the life of God within our soul. What we know about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is revealed to mankind from Jesus, the Son of God. Thanks be to God for Jesus, who reveals the face of the Father and reveals who the Holy, Tr who Holy Trinity is and who the Holy Spirit is. And here's just a brief sampling of what we know about God. We know that the Father, for instance, delights wholeheartedly in His Son. He rejoices in His success. The Father is not envious that the Son receives glory. When He says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, listen to Him. He is a proud Father. He loves His Son deeply. And the Holy Spirit, we know, is the very relationship between Father and Son. The Holy Spirit is quite literally the love dynamism between God the Father and God the Son. And Jesus promises us that the Holy Spirit will be our defense attorney, our advocate to protect us from the accuser and his assaulting lies. Jesus also says that the Holy Spirit will take care of us and will teach us all things, will lead us to all truth. Thanks be to God. And Jesus also says something really remarkable in Matthew chapter 11. He says, all things have been given to me by my Father. Perhaps we just gloss over this, but this is a remarkable statement. All things have been given to me by my Father. He doesn't say some things or one or two things have been given to me. He says, all things have been given to me by my Father. This means that the Father is pleased to be maximally generous, so generous to the point of self-emptying. And love is total self-donation. And isn't it so beautiful that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit model for us authentic love of what it means to pour yourself out? And this is what Jesus does, God the Son on the cross, right? Does Jesus, does he hold back any blood? Does he just bleed? Or does he bleed out? He says, tap me out, I'm gonna give all of my blood. 
The father is pleased to be maximally generous and does not withhold anything from the son. And the son remarkably reciprocates. Now the son is so humble that he actually does not reject it. You know, he could say perhaps, uh, hey, I'm too good for your gifts. What do you think you're doing? I'm too proud to receive. No, he doesn't do that. He humbly receives everything from the father and this remarkable dynamism of love, of powerful love, and the Holy Spirit is present in that dynamism. At every single Mass, we come to worship the Most Holy Trinity. On Sundays, we pray the Gloria. We also pray the Creed that reminds us of these bedrock intrinsic truths that are most important about who God is. Today, we thank God for who He is, for His majesty, and we come to praise Him, to adore Him, to glorify Him, to give thanks to Him for His glory.